If you would like to borrow a Bible, would you raise your hand and the ushers will bring you a Bible. You can leave it in the pew behind you when you're finished. If you've been with us long enough, one of the things that you've recognized is that we preach through books of the Bible. That means whatever comes up next in the book, we preach, no matter what. And some Sundays we come in here and we think that we want to hear something specifically for us, specifically for our need, and the topic seems to be totally unrelated. But what I think God does in our lives, he gives us a steady diet of his truth that he wants us to embrace. And sometimes what we need to hear is not what we think we need to hear. And when we come to topics like we have today, you may think, I should have stayed in bed at home because it has nothing to do with me right now. But you would be surprised on how every single part of God's word fits into your life where you can hear a sermon today and it won't come up to your mind or your heart until maybe two years from now. It's amazing how God does that with his word. No matter what we're going through, no matter what we're dealing with, his word can speak to us. So today, let's get excited in this mid-August service going through 1 John on what we're going to talk about today. Let's all stand up as we read 1 John chapter 4, only six verses today. Let me read to you 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore they speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. You may be seated. Over the summer, we have some of our younger children in the service with us because our Praise Factory Children's Church is for five and under over the summer. So for all the younger uh, kids in here, I am so glad that you are in this service with us, and I really want you specifically to get something out of the sermon, if that is possible. What we're going to talk about this morning is called spiritual discernment. Okay, that really helped a lot, right? Well, spiritual discernment, just to, to track with you, just means trying to tell the difference between what is right and what is wrong. That's spiritual discernment. 
And a lot of the children in here uh, are doing something over the summer called Bible Bee. It's like a, a, a spelling bee, but Bible Bee. It's really intense scripture memorization, learning the Word of God. And the book they're studying uh, this summer is the book of Colossians. And the book of Colossians talks a lot about false teachers. So it's interesting for me to read the material and see how you explain false teachers to children. You ever try to pull that one off, parents? Let me tell you about false teachers. You know about not talking to strangers, but how about not listening to false teachers? And so one of the examples they give is from the very famous movie Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Now I know some of your adults are tracking with me now. You're like, finally, I'm connecting with you. Snow White and and the Seven Dwarfs, they have apparently in this movie a very uh, friendly and lovely looking wicked witch that that comes and, and knocks on the door and offering a beautiful piece of fruit that looks so good on the outside. But if you take just one bite on the inside, it's poisonous. And what John is doing here is writing to this church and say, Hey, hey, be careful of these false teachers. They look good on the outside. What they're saying on the outside is beautiful. But if you take it in, it's poisonous. And, and it, will, it will destroy you. And it's a warning that goes to the church to be spiritually discerning. But did you see what it said in verse 4? Look at verse 4. First two words. Little children. Huh, isn't that great? He doesn't just mean kids. He means all of you. He's an old guy by now, and he's speaking to his church that he affectionately considers his children in the faith, and so he's speaking to them as little children. So I love it that God's word today is speaking to all of us as little kids. And as little kids, we need to grow, right? As little kids need to grow in different ways. Well, we all are spiritually, I guess, according to John, little kids, and we need to grow. And there's a lot of areas we grow in. We grow in prayer. We grow in learning how to study God's word. We, we grow in so many different areas of how to obey, how to worship, how to, how to just, just live the Christian life. But one of the areas we need to grow in is spiritual discernment. And if you are truthful with one of the weaknesses within the Christian church is sometimes we're really weak at being spiritually discerning, Right? Let me show you this picture of this guy. It's the only picture I'm going to show you today. This is a guy from uh, a movie from Lady in the Water. Now, if you notice it, he only exercises the right side of his body. He does, for whatever reason, he does not exercise the left side of his body. And so he is pumped in his left arm, his left side, all the way down to his leg. And he, for whatever reason, you'll see him in the movie, Lady in the Water, he's only exercising the right side of his body, never the left. Can you imagine that if that was really your Christian life, that you're really good at some things and you really pay attention to some and and not the other? And if you look at the Christian church worldwide, and especially in America, one of the things that we're not exercising well enough is spiritual discernment. And we're going to talk about a little bit of that today as we go through this passage on how can we begin to exercise the muscles of being spiritually discerning as we live as Christians within this world. 
So let's let God's word create these muscles within us. Let's start with verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Chapter 3 of 1 John ended up with believers having assurance that they were Christians that they abide in Christ and Christ in them is because the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in them. If you look at the very end of chapter 3, verse 24, it says, whoever keeps his commandments abides in him and he in them. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. So every single person who is a true Christian has the Holy Spirit living in them. They uh, in a sense, you could say they are, they are spirit-filled as in the spirit lives in them. And there's some sense we still need to be filled with the spirit. But every single believer has the Holy Spirit. Unfortunately, it's likely that the false teachers were also claiming to be spirit-filled. And as they would infiltrate these churches, they would claim to be spirit-filled. And as they were claiming to be spirit-filled, they would, they would teach certain heresies. And that's why John says in verse 1, do not believe every spirit. There are two spirits active in the world. Spirit from God, who is God, and the spirit of Satan, the demonic, of error. Jump down to verse 6 at the very end. He says, by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. There's only two spirits active, the spirit of truth from God and the spirit of error from Satan. And that's why John can say, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. We are commanded to test the spirits, to use spiritual discernment to tell what is truth and what is error. And this is hard to do living for most of you now, I know some of you from different countries, but right now, you are living in America. And it's hard to test the spirits in America because we are constantly have this pushback from America that is really heavy on the doctrine of tolerance. Now, for one, be glad you live in America where you can be a Christian because there are some countries where you convert to Christianity, they kill you. Not very tolerant. So in America, there's this tolerance that you can convert, and that's okay. But unfortunately, the American tolerance doctrine moves beyond the idea of respecting one another's beliefs, respecting one another as we live together in this peaceful way in this country, to moving beyond to this idea of tolerance means affirmation. That I have to affirm you and say what you believe is great. And if I hold anything that's contra that contradicts what you believe, then I'm not being tolerant. And so for the true Christian to say, look, Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. Those who do not repent and put their faith in Jesus Christ will spend eternity in a place of torment called hell. That is not accept it in our society. They would look at me and whoever else makes that claim and say, you are being intolerant. And that's what you'll have spilled at you, not just from, of course, the bumper stickers and the news and the schools, but you'll hear it from your friends. You'll hear it from your family. 
and eventually it gets in the water and it gets in your blood and it's just something that's a part of you. And so when John says something like, test the spirits to see whether they are from God, we're like, I don't know. It just feels kind of funny doing that. It just feels like I'm being really judgmental or I'm, I'm being mean. That's not what it is. John is saying, test the spirits, discern what is true, and discern what is false. It is a commandment given to you, to every believer, to use discernment and test the spirits. And there's a reason why you need to test the spirits. And the reason is, at the end of verse 1, look what it says. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. These false prophets were probably once part of the church, and they were a church in in good standing, and now they, they went out, and these false prophets are on mission. Does that not sound totally crazy to tell you that false prophets are on mission? A lot of time in our church we talk about the mission of God, how we want to be missional in spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, which means we want every single person here to function as a missionary within the culture. In the same way, I think we can say there is a mission of Satan. And Satan has people that are sent out who are being missional and functioning as his missionaries to spread his gospel, his doctrine of evil, spread lies. And Satan is on a mission. And if you don't believe that, you will not see the reason and the significance why we got to use spiritual discernment. No joke. When we come to the end of chapter 5, it's going to say Satan is ruling this world in the sense of over the unbelievers, and he is on a mission. And his mission is to deceive you. And that's why John says, test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Okay, verse 2. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Okay, well, how, how can we tell who's from God, who's not from God? Well, John gives some other tests. He'll say, uh, you've got to obey his commands. You've got to love one another. You, you live in holiness. But he also says, you can tell when a preacher or a teacher has the spirit of God speaking through them. It won't just be holiness. It won't just be love. It won't just be obeying the commands, it will also be holding to the truth that believes that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has been manifested in the flesh. A true Christian believes that Jesus Christ is the eternally existent one manifested in the flesh. He is the great God-man. He is fully God. He is fully man. He had to be fully man to represent man in the atonement. He had to be fully God as the sufficient sacrifice on the cross. The true Christian believes, the true preacher, teacher believes that Jesus Christ is the great God-man. And how can you recognize the Spirit of God? Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. It is a confession. It is a profession. It is a joy to make that statement that I want to press into the truth of who Jesus is. One of the ways that you can avoid error is keep pressing in closer and closer to the person and work of Jesus Christ. The closer we get to him, the quicker we can discern error. And John sees this as he moves in to verse 3. 
And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. So the person or the spirit speaking through the person who does not confess that Jesus is eternally existed, manifested in the flesh, specifically is not from God. Now, we don't know exactly what these false teachers were claiming. Some think that um, they were claiming that either Jesus was not eternally God or he never took on flesh. And some even think that Jesus took on flesh at his baptism and right before he died, the flesh somehow disappeared. I don't get all the theology there. But you can be sure that when false teachers propagate false doctrine and false gospels, it always messes up the person of Jesus. They're, already, they're always kind of downplaying the humanity or they're, they're downplaying the divinity or they're just, just messing stuff up about Jesus. You can be sure of it. When you see a cult, when you see false doctrine being spread, when you see another religion, you ask them, what are you doing with Jesus? And chances are, they're doing something very bad with Jesus. They're not believing the true Jesus. From Islam to Jehovah's Witnesses to Mormons, Mormonism, to everything else kind of out there, you'll see consistently messing around with Jesus Christ. And that spirit is not from God. I, I know it's not popular to say that, but that, that spirit comes from the mission of Satan. Straight up. It's not from God. It is another spirit. The spirit of the evil one. And what does this call for? It calls, as John says, for spiritual discernment to test the spirits. Our church has five ethos statements. These ethos statements just basically describe who we are and who we want to be. One of the statements, the first one actually says, anchor, humble orthodoxy, anchor, humble orthodoxy. One of the ways that we want to stay anchored in the truth as we want to say anchored in the word of God. And as we are humbly submitting ourselves to the word of God, then that way we can discern truth and that way we can discern error. Now what is happening in our culture now is not going to be the exact thing that was happening during the time of John. Right now, to my knowledge, I don't know all of you, but most of you are not coming in here as false teachers trying to propagate a doctrine where Jesus Christ is not the great God-man. Maybe you are. I'll talk to you about that later, but I don't see you doing that right now. But each generation will deal with a specific twist in the truth, a specific twist that leads to error and heresy and false doctrine. Each generation, John was dealing with one thing, we'll deal with something else. But just know this, most of the stuff that we deal with in the church is not new. It's happened before. It's happened in church history. It's happened in biblical history. So the false doctrine that we face now that infiltrates the church, that's part of the church culture, is nothing new. And so if you wanted me to put my finger on two things, two issues that I believe that threaten our church or churches in America in general more than any other uh, false teaching and false doctrine right now. Say, Jason, just put your finger on two things. There are a lot of things we can put our finger on, but put your finger on two things that I believe that can corrupt the church. I'm going to share with you my personal opinion. You, you don't have to agree with me, but I believe that this calls for us to be anchored in the truth, that these two issues, I believe, could carry us away. 
And they are the issues of sexual morality and materialism. Those are my belief. Those are the two biggest things that are assaulting the church in America the most. Now, one of them, you think, well, yeah, I get what you're saying. I totally understand the sexual morality because, my brothers and sisters, we are surrounded by churches, and this is okay, something to talk about. We're tolerant, right? We're surrounded by churches in Evanston and in America that will say, look, we don't care what you do sexually. You can do whatever. Cool with us. And we can recognize those churches so we can say bad, bad, bad. But I think that even as a Bible-believing church, there's a lot of stuff that creeps into our lives and can creep into our church that can be just as bad in the sexually immoral realm that we just kind of like to downplay, don't like to talk about, and it can destroy Christians and destroy churches. And we'll talk about that more as we go through our time together on Sunday mornings in ethos communities. But the other area I really believe is just as dangerous as sexual morality is the issue of materialism. It's easy to recognize and say, okay, I see all the health and wealth gospels, churches, preachers, you know on TV, the ones that want you to say, give me 50 bucks and God's going to give you 500. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? And you say, well, that's just materialism. I totally get that. But what I don't think we see is that materialism is infiltrating churches, like non-health and wealth churches. Like how many of you believe, to be honest with you, if I could just sit down with you in your house, how many of you believe that God just wants you to be comfortable? I mean, really, like if I just pressed you and I say, how many of you really believe that God just wants you to be comfortable? In life, and, and we wouldn't ever want to do anything that would make you uncomfortable. That is a materialistic doctrine seeping into your life, and I believe many of us lack a doctrine of sacrifice. And I see that in my heart, I see that in our church, and we're going to try to combat that. Starting around Thanksgiving, we're going to start this book called, maybe you've heard of it, Matthew. And there's this guy in there that talks a lot named Jesus. And it is amazing how he is, I mean, I'm going to probably get fired preaching Matthew because Jesus constantly says stuff that makes you uncomfortable, that stirs you up away from this materialistic culture. That's what we need to do. We need to test the spirits. We need to have this discernment. And as we live in this culture, and as we're infiltrated with an American mindset, we've got to go back to our anchor, the word of God, and say, okay, God, speak truth to us. Help us to test the spirits. Different times, different cultures, different issues. I want the spirit of God to give us that discernment. And you know what, my brothers and sisters? We don't need to think because we're in one culture and because we've accepted some things that we're, we're doomed. We're not doomed. Because believers will overcome. There will be spiritual victory. And we see that in verse 4. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. I love that. John's churches, they're, 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 they're doing it. They're standing strong. They're not going to give in to false teaching. And, and the reason why is because the Holy Spirit in them, the Spirit in them is greater than the Spirit in the world. They have overcome. They have victory. They have conquered. As a believer, 
you don't need to fear the enemy. You don't need to fear Satan because the spirit within you is greater than the spirit with the world and we will have victory. The victory is guaranteed at the cross of Jesus Christ. Satan has no more authority over us, no more dominion over us. We will have victory over false doctrine and we will overcome by the spirit of God. Satan is on mission. His mission will not succeed in our lives nor this world. Verse 5. They are from the world, and therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. So here we have a teacher, they're speaking, and an audience, they're the ones listening. So the false teachers speak from a certain viewpoint, and the world accepts that viewpoint and listens to them. It's popular, it's received, it's embraced, it's welcomed, it's praised because it's the message of the world. And so John says, okay, let me tell you, you can discern who is a false prophet by his message. You can also discern who's a false prophet by those who listen to that message. You have both a teacher speaking worldly things and you also have an audience embracing worldly things. They're both are worldly. I'm, I'm curious, have any of you like ever heard a false prophet speak? Raise your hand, let me see. Have you ever heard a false prophet speak? Some of you have. When I was in Dallas going to seminary there, I intentionally went to go hear a false prophet. I did a lot of crazy stuff at seminary like that, but one of them, I wanted to hear a false prophet. I think I, think I heard two false prophets when I was in seminary, but one guy, you know, it seems like false prophets always speak at hotel conference rooms. For whatever reason, I do not know why. Nothing against hotel conference rooms, but they seem to be a great place for false prophets. So I went to this hotel conference room and listened to this false prophet, and what he was predicting was the end of the world. It's, you know, that's fine. We predict the end of the world too, right? Yeah? We just don't give specific dates, and we don't name the Antichrist. So he named um, the Antichrist was Prince Charles. Watch out for Prince Charles. He is definitely going to bring the end of the world. And, and, and what was interesting about this false prophet is he claimed that the revelation came directly to him from Jesus while he was in the shower. Because as we know, all good revelations come while we're in the shower. And so this revelation came to him that the world was going to end. And of course, he's made several predictions, one after the other, and they didn't come true. And I've checked up on my false prophet this past week, went online, looked him up, and he, ha- he has since decided that the book of Hebrews should not be in the Bible. So he's cut that out. And he has a lot of other weird mix and match things that he has created in this doctrine, and it is just totally confusing, downplays the gospel, does exactly what the Bible tells you not to do, and it's so skewed. But that's the teaching. But there was an audience there that night, and I was part of it, of course, listening to him. But you know who was putting it on? I didn't understand the combination at all. The group that was hosting the false prophet was a group that wants to make Texas its own nation. And I'm, I'm kind of for that since I'm from Texas, but I didn't understand the combination of things that's going on here. And, and they're like buying this, yeah, yeah, Prince Charles, yeah. I'm like, what are you talking about? And it's the combination. And I, and I thought to myself, you know, these, these could just be a misguided teacher, misguided followers, and they're just, you know, they're true believers, but they really have issues, and they're misguided. But you know, it's skewing the gospel. It's skewing the truth. You're talking about cutting out books of the Bible? What are you talking about? And John says, you'll be able to recognize them by their message and by the audience. 
both worldly. And then John ends with verse 6. He says, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Does that sound arrogant to you? Well, if you listen to me, you're from God. If you don't listen to me, you're not from God. Does Does that sound arrogant? This is the apostle John who's talking about we, the apostolic band who were with Jesus Christ, who are empowered with the authority of the Lord to write the inspired scriptures. And he's saying, you, you listen to me, you're from God, because what I'm writing is from God. But if you choose not to listen to us, you're not from God. He's making his authority the word. Those who listen and embrace the word are from God. Those who turn away from it are not from God. And that is why we come back to the idea of anchor must be the word of God. I would love it if everyone in here will be so rooted in the word that when you hear something that contradicts the word, you would pick up on it just like that. No matter how beautiful it sounded, no how nice it seemed, that you would just know the word that you can discern. I spoke to someone last week. He moved to a new town. He was looking for a church. He went into a church and he started worshiping there because the music was just like the music he had known at his previous churches. And then he started listening to the word. And then he hit him, hit him right there that he realized that he was, he was worshiping in the service of a cult as they would take the scriptures and twist them like you would not believe. So the Spirit of God within him was discerning the truth. And I would love for you to know the word so much, the Holy Spirit living in you, that you can discern the truth. Because the reality is that most of you will move on from here. You will go to other churches. You will land in other places around the world. And I would love for you to have that discernment. Because you want to be in a theologically safe church. That church better be radical in obedience. That church better be risk-taking for the gospel. But that church better be a safe place theologically. You have enough problems in this world getting attacked. You do not want to be attacked at church. So when you're there, you listen to the preaching and you be real nice and you be gracious, but you want to make sure, is it theologically safe? And then when you go to the children's ministry, you can go, oh, that's really nice. They have a nice little security system for the kids. I got my pager here. It's very secure. That's great. But you make sure that what they're teaching is also safe for your children. You want to be part of a theologically safe church so that you can grow in your muscles of spiritual discernment and be able to discern both truth and error. Now, as we develop these muscles and we grow in the knowledge of Jesus, we discern error, we kind of tell what's true or not, I've got to tell you two things because I'm telling you, I've got to tell you these two things. You've got to be careful with this. You've got to be careful with your spiritual discernment on two fronts. Number one, be sure that you're using your spiritual discernment wisely. 
One of the professors I had, I was at Wheaton College just for one summer. One of the professors I had was a guy named Gary Birch. And he's always about trying to build spiritually mature college students into mature adults. So one of the things that he, he encourages us is as we are building these spiritually discerning Christians, we need to be able to use something called theological radar. You got a theological radar? A theological radar that can, that can spot intruders who want to upend the gospel's beliefs. And it's a very high-tech radar because this high-tech radar, it can tell the difference between pleasure aircraft and these bombers, these lethal bombers. Uh, this theological radar can tell the difference between minor issues and between these huge colossal errors that can deserve fierce struggle. Do you have that discernment? Are you able to say, okay, this issue is minor. I can almost leave it alone. This issue is huge. I will die for this. Let's go fight right now. Are you able to make the discernment between those two in your own life? Like, for example, there should not be a fierce struggle over the style of music in the church. Amen, please. Come on now. There should not be a fierce struggle there. All right, preach it. All right, that's, that's all right here. But you want to talk about the incarnation of Jesus and you want to deny that? We will run you out of here. But the sad thing is, how many churches in America have split over the music style? That is so sad. How is that possible that we've come to the point where we split churches over the music style? We're not able to discern. Well, and another issue is people's political affiliation should not be a fierce struggle in the church. You guys can duke it out all you want outside of here. But your political affiliation is not going to be this, this huge fight. Okay, who are the Democrats? Who are the Republicans? Okay, fight, punch each other. I mean, you punch each other out there. All right? That's not going to deserve a fierce struggle in here. But you want to mess with the sovereignty of God? And whether he's in control? Whether he knows what's going to happen? That will be a fierce struggle. And yet, there is a church. I'm not joking about this. There is a mega church in Minnesota. Their pastor, in my point of view, has been a heretic. He has been preaching false doctrine about the sovereignty of God, and his megachurch has been fine with it. But then several years later, he decided to make some political statements that downplayed politics, and 1,000 people left. Oh, my. Where's the discernment? We don't really care about theological issues anymore. I want you to be discerning Christians who can say, okay, there, that's pleasure our craft. Let's not shoot that down. Lethal bomber. Let's take it out. Some issues just serve fierce struggles, and some do not. So be sure you use your spiritual discernment wisely. I don't want to create a bunch of heresy hunters in here. They're just looking around to take everybody out. And the second thing I want to warn you about, be careful of exclusivistic tendencies. Be careful. Because sometimes you can think, 
you know, remember Elijah? He thought, I'm the only prophet. It's only me. God's like, no, there's about 7,000 other, all right? There's others. And we're not the only Bible-preaching church in town at all. There are believers and Bible-believing churches in this town. So we don't want to get the exclusivistic tendencies. And, and with my children, and you, may, you, may, you may think this is bad, but I don't think it is. With my kids, we'll drive around town, and we'll talk about the churches. You say, well, you're just being judgmental. No, we're not being judgmental. We're discerning the spirits. I'll say, this church does not preach the gospel. And tell them why. This church does preach the gospel. And tell them why. And now, the, now I don't have to say anything. They're like, okay, what about that church, Dad? What about that church? What about that church? And we're not trying to create the idea that we're the only church. We're not. And we do things and we affirm. In fact, when the college students come back, sometimes we'll tell them, boy, check out these other churches besides us. We want you to be in a good church. It's not just us. There are others. And then we'll also partner with other churches. We're going to partner so much that we're going to get creamed in soccer today, right? Yeah, we're really partnering, humbling ourselves. We want to do stuff with other like-minded churches that believe the gospel. I mean, the church we're going to be with today is totally different culture than our culture, and yet we're like-minded on the gospel. Is that, isn't that cool? That's really cool. And so we're, we don't want to have these exclusivistic tendencies to say it's just us. It's not just us. So as we exercise these muscles of spiritual discernment, we don't want to be like that guy who's all pumped up on one side and then all weak on the other. That's, that's an imbalanced Christian. But one thing that's helpful when you work out your muscles of spiritual discernment, it's really good to have a workout partner. Because how many of you like to work out with someone than by yourself, right? You're by yourself, you're like, I'm not motivated at all. But you get with someone else, you're like, oh, now I'm motivated. That's kind of the idea. And that's what we're doing with these ethos communities. We want to be in each other's homes and condos and apartments and, and these exercise these spiritual muscles of discernment and grow on what's true and what's not true and, and encourage them and say, come on, you can do it. Come on, you can say no to that. And just kind of speak the truth together in love so that we're all built up as a body walking in the spirit of truth. Let's pray. Lord, we come not in arrogance, but in humility to think it's unbelievable that you would include us in the gospel. And forgive us if by our lives, if by our words, that we have denied the gospel. We thank you for the grace of Jesus. We thank you that we can overcome uh, false doctrine, that we can overcome lies of the enemy. And we're, we're still struggling, God. We're still struggling. We need encouragement from each other, and we need your grace to walk in your truth. And Lord, this culture is hard against us. People are hard against us for believing what you say. Give us endurance. Give us perseverance. We know our brothers and sisters around the world are losing their lives because they are not going to deny you. May we stand just as boldly in the gospel of Jesus, the truth of Jesus, of who you are. We love you. We want to draw near to you. We do not want to deny you. We do not want to skew who you are. We want to worship you and glory in you. And we will do this by the power of your Holy Spirit within us to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.